A husband says to his wife, look here, this article says that the average man speaks 10,000 words a day, and the average woman speaks 20,000, twice as much. His wife says, well, that's because women have to repeat everything because their husbands don't hear them the first time. The guy looks at his wife and says, what? So speaking of repeating things a second time, speaking of repeating things a second time, um, this week we have a special Haftorah, Nachamu, Nachamu, Asami, Comfort, Comfort, My People, which follows the National Day of Mourning of Tisha B'Av, and we refer to this Shabbos as Shabbos Nachamu. The question is, why Nachamu, Nachamu? Why is the prophet told, console, console, twice? Why is the word repeated? Console, console, my people. And in order to understand this, this double consolation, I want to tell you a story. A story which is related in the Talmud in the very end of Tractate Makos. The sages, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva, lived at a tumultuous time in Jewish history. They were members of the great, the great court, the Sanhedrin, but not in Yerushalayim where it had been before. The, the, the high court was exiled because the city, Yerushalayim, was in ruins, the temple was in ruins, and that's what this story is about. This group of great sages came to Yerushalayim once, and when they reached Haratzefim, that, that's Mount Scopus, that actually means the scoping, you know, the place where you can see, the place where you can see the city. Haratzefim means the same thing, to be able to see. So from that vantage point, they saw the city is in ruins. I mean, imagine seeing like Manhattan and everything is knocked down and it's a ghost town and nobody lives there, right? It's a haunting site. So they see Yudushalayim, the city that was once the epicenter of, of, of Jewish life, spiritually and, and in all other senses, and now it's a ghost town, it's desolate. So they tore Kriya, they, they, they tore their garments like a mourner, God forbid, um, as is the, the halacha. And then they got closer and they got to the actual Temple Mount, to the, the Harabayas. And as they got to the Harabayas, they saw a fox coming out of the spot of the Holy of Holies. Apparently at that time, the Holy of Holies was still standing or somewhat intact. It wasn't, that part of the temple wasn't destroyed until a little bit later. So I think we kind of think of a fox as maybe like a majestic animal, maybe like a regal animal. Imagine if you go to your childhood home and you get there and the door is wide open and a raccoon comes walking out. Okay, you would get the idea that the house is in a, a terrible state of disrepair. So they, they come to the, the holy temple, to the temple mount, and they see a fox or foxes coming out of the holy of holies. So at that point, all of the sages started crying. Rabbi Akiva laughed. So the sages said to him, why are you laughing? So like a good rabbi, he answered a question with a question. Rabbi Akiva says, and why are you crying? So they said, why are we crying? The place that once only the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, only on Yim Kippur, the holiest day of the year, was allowed to enter once a year. And now foxes are walking out of there. So that's why we're crying. Why are you laughing? So Rabbi Akiva says, I'll tell you why. Because Yeshio, Isaiah the prophet, says... I am bringing Uriah and Zechariah as my witnesses. Now, Uriah and Zechariah did, did not live at the same time. They were not contemporaneous to each other. 
So Yekiva says, it doesn't mean literally they are witnesses, it means homiletically, figuratively. To make one's prophecy dependent upon the other. What does that mean? Uriah has a prophecy where he says, Tzien kisadet techaresh. That Tzien, Zion, in this case the temple, will be plowed like a field. A prophecy of destruction. Zechariah has a prophecy that old men and old women will safely dwell in Yerushalayim again. Prophecy of rebuilding. So Rabbi Akiva says, until I saw this, now I, I, now I know that just as Uriah's prophecy of destruction was fulfilled, and you see the foxes walking out of the, the Holy of Holies, so too Zechariah's prophecy of rebuilding will be fulfilled. So that's why I'm laughing. And the sages turn to Rabbi Akiva and they say, Akiva nacham tonu, Akiva nacham tonu. Two times. Akiva, you comforted us. Akiva, you comforted us. Again, we have, so we have that double expression. Why the double expression? Now, I want to tell you, this, what I'm telling you, is based on a sikha from the Rebbe, Lekut Sikha's Chelek Yud volume 19. And in that sikha, the Rebbe asks, I believe, eight questions about this story in the Gemara. And then there's another Fabreng in Chof Av, where Tavshin Mem Vav, Chof Av, the Rebbe's father's yard site, Tavshin Mem Vav, 1986. And the Rebbe told the story again and asked a different question. So there's at least nine questions on this story. But I'm going to ask two simple questions. First of all, why did Rebbe Akiva ask them why they were crying? That was obvious. Now, they asked him, why are you laughing? I understand why they asked, because it was unusual that he was laughing. It required an explanation. But why did he ask them, well, why are you, why are you crying? That should have been readily understood, why, the, why they were crying. Um, you know, you're standing at a spot of destruction, a place where Jewish blood had been spilled, and you see this, this sign of desolation. Of course they were crying. You know, what, what, you, what is he asking? Second of all, what did Rabbi Akiva mean? Now that I saw the destruction, now, now I know that there's going to be a rebuilding. Now you know. Now you know. Like it, it, the prophets are full of promises of redemption. Okay, that's not enough, all the promises of redemption that the prophets speak of. And, and, and furthermore, you know, redemption is one of the, the, the tenets, the basic beliefs. Uh, so much that the Rambam made it one of the 13 uh, fundamental principles of, of Amunah. So, Rabbi Akiva wasn't sure about Mashiach, about that as a concept, until he saw the devastation, until he saw foxes coming out of the Holy of Holies. So that's, that's two questions. All right. So now I'm going to tell you another story, and this is a true story. And what do I mean it's a true story? It may or may not have happened. But if it didn't happen, it should have happened. The story is like this. Back in Rusland, in Russia, communist Russia, a Jew got sent away to Siberia. So he's in Siberia, he gets a letter from his wife. His wife writes to him, she says, Yankel, the spring is coming, and I need to plant the potatoes. And the ground is frozen. It was a very, very cold winter. The ground is frozen, and I need, I need to plow the, the yard, but the axe died. The axe that pulls the plow died, and I don't have the strength to, to plow the, the yard. I have to plant the potatoes, or we're not going to have food. We're not going to be able to eat. What, what, what do I do? So the Yid gets this letter, he writes back to his wife, he says, do not go near the yard, that is where all of the guns and ammunition are hidden. That's the letter he sends to his wife. 
she gets the letter. Within that day, a truck full of communist soldiers pull up to the house and they start tearing apart the yard with shovels and axes and picks and they're tearing apart the yard looking for the guns and the ammunition, right? Because they read everything. Um, you know, the, the mail is not, <laughs> the, the mail is not uh, private. So they tear apart, apart the yard and until, until uh, the sun goes down, they didn't, they didn't find anything, they get in the truck and they drive away. So she writes back and she says, soldiers were here, they tore apart the entire yard. And uh, he writes back to his wife, now you can plant the potatoes. So let me ask you a question. You see a person tearing apart the ground, tearing it all apart. Dirt is flying everywhere. Is that destruction or is that plowing? So it depends. If you plant there later and something grows, then even if the person who was tearing apart the ground thinks they were destroying it, they weren't destroying it, they were plowing it. The soldiers thought they were tearing apart the ground. They were plowing. And this is the deep truth. I told you it's a true story. Because the truth in the story is like this. In our lives as individuals, think about the hardships you've had. And also, collectively, our history as a nation. Think about all the, the brutality that the, the we have endured as a, as a nation. All these challenging times, they're like plowing. If you take a snapshot of it, it's destruction. Senseless destruction, chaos, disaster. But if you look at the full picture and you realize it's part of a process, now it's not destruction, it's plowing. You know, plowing is one of the 39 forms of labor on Shabbos. The 39 forms of labor are all constructive. A person's not liable for violating Shabbos when he does an act, act, act of destruction, only something that's constructive and productive. Plowing is not destruction. Plowing is constructive because it fosters growth. It prepares the way for growth. And the more you plow, the more things grow. That's critical to understand. The more you plow, the more things grow. So what that means is the more destructive and chaotic things seem, the more growth is being made possible. And now we can understand the story of Rabbi Akiva. Sure. When Rabbi Akiva explained the reason why he was laughing, he specifically quoted that verse, Uriah's verse, Tzien kisode techadesh. Zion, the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, will be plowed like a field. Plowing. Even in the moment of destruction. It's only to make way for growth. Through the act of destruction, through the act of of, of, of bringing about exile, Hashem was making way for an, e an even greater redemption. And the more you plow, the more things grow. So now we can understand the whole story. When he first saw the ruins of the city, when they were standing on Mount Scopus, he expected that. He knew the city was destroyed. Obviously, he wasn't shocked. So he tore his garments just like everybody else. But then when he got to the Temple Mount and he saw insult upon injury, how devastating it was that there were foxes coming out of the Holy of Holies. He knew it was destroyed, but to that extent, that far, when he saw the extent to which the destruction was, then he was surprised, pleasantly surprised. 
because he knew if it was that destroyed, if, if there was that much plowing, there's going to be that much growth. So of course Rabbi Akiva already believed there was going to be a redemption, there was going to be a rebuilding. He just didn't know how great of a rebuilding it would be. There are levels to which the messianic prophecies can, can come true. But when he saw that degree of destruction, he knew there was going to be an, an equally, or, or, or I should say proportionately, even greater level of rebuilding. Imagine you see two snapshots. One guy is about to jump in the air and he barely has his knees bent. He barely has his back curved. Then you see another snapshot. A guy is about to jump and he's crouched so low his hands are almost scraping the floor. So in the snapshot you have one guy standing tall almost and another guy stooped very, very low. But that's the moment before they jump. Who's going to jump higher? The one who stooped lower is the one who's going to end up jumping higher. So the more devastating the, the, the destruction is, the more thorough the plowing is, so to speak, then the greater regrowth it is a sign of. And that's why Rabbi Akiva asked the sages why they were crying. It, it, it was like he was saying, look, we all knew we, we, we were going to see destruction. We, were, we knew that. And when we first saw the destruction, when we were standing on Mount Scopus, we tore our garments. But did you imagine you would see this extent of destruction? And when I saw it was this extent, I couldn't help but laugh because I realized how glorious the future is going to be. If there's this much plowing, think how much growth there's going to be too. Don't you see it also? And that's why the sages said to him, Akiva, you have consoled us. Akiva, you have consoled us. Two, two times. Twice. Twice. Why twice? Because Rabbi Akiva consoled them on two things. First of all, that after the destruction will come rebuilding eventually. That's one consolation. After the destruction will come rebuilding. But then there was a second consolation. The destruction itself is part of the process of building. That's why they said you comforted us twice. And by the way, why was it only Rabbi Akiva who saw this? Why didn't the rest of them, great sages, see this? What gave him a unique vantage point? All of these sages had illustrious lineage. Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi, the head of the Sanhedrin. He was from the royal tribe of Yehuda. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was a Koyin. In fact, he was descended from Ezra HaSoifer. Rabbi Yeshua was a Levi. Rabbi Kiva was the child of converts. And he didn't begin learning Torah until he was 40 years old. So he had a special background. He knew that sometimes being very far away from where you need to be is part of the process of getting there. Sometimes being very far away from where you need to be is itself part of the process of getting there. Rabbi Akiva understood that because he had lived that. He knew about that, the descent for the sake of a subsequent greater ascent. And now we understand why this week the Haftorah says, Nachmu, Nachmu, two times, comfort, comfort my people. Because the comfort is not just the, the knowledge that good times are coming, but the knowledge that all along, all along, there's been only growth and the destruction, the chaos, the havoc, it was just plowing. And the greater the plowing, the greater the growth. We should see 
the fruition, the growth, and the harvesting may be immediately 